The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. So today we are going to explore Dr. Scarlett's new book, Dark Agents, which is available March 1st and actually available for pre-order right now on Amazon. We have a very special guest on our show today, the illustrator of Dark Agents, Vince Avendia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was a great intro. (laughs) (laughs) So Vince, could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, yeah, sure. My name is Vince Avendia. I've been an artist pretty much since I could pick up a crayon. I'm an artist based in San Diego, independent illustrator and comic artist. I'm a big Star Wars fan. That's pretty much my main fandom other than anime. But Star Wars is a big, big influence in my nerd life. Yeah. (laughs) When I got into anime back in in the late 80s, early 90s, is when I seriously started considering art as a career, specifically as an animator. From that fandom is when I kind of discovered that I wanted to art for the rest of my life. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. We're, we're very excited to have you on the show. So, you guys, how did this book come about? Oh, my goodness. I feel like I've been writing this book for a lifetime. The truth is I've been writing it for 10 years. I've always been fascinated with Greek mythology And I was always wondering, what would it be like if Greek mythology was not only real, but if Greek gods existed today? Also being fascinated with Harry Potter, I always wanted to have some kind of a school setting. So I had this idea about 10 years ago that what if there were all kind of supernatural beings, like witches and uh, werewolves and all kind of supernatural beings that all went to school together, but it was the underworld intelligence agency where they were learning how to kind of either harness their supernatural abilities or keep peace between the different realms like the realm of the living and the realm of the underworld and slowly over the years the story started building and I realized that I really wanted to have a strong mental health focus in the series and so In working on this, I realized that what I really wanted to do was to have eight books where each book is written from a point of view of a different character. And that's what the series is going to be. So in the first book, volume one, Violet and the Trial of Trauma, we are learning about Violet, who is a witch who suffers from PTSD after witnessing both her parents being murdered by an evil necromancer when she was a child. 
she grows up to then join Hades's underworld intelligence agency in order to become a dark agent. So a dark agent is anyone who works for Hades in order to essentially police any kind of evil supernatural forces and keep peace and balance between the world of the living and the underworld. And before she can face different kinds of supernatural monsters, Violet has to learn to face the monsters of her past that she has been running away from for over 12 years. So throughout this graphic novel, Violet has to learn to face her own PTSD and to learn skills to help her mental health. How did Vince get involved in this? Vin, you want to answer that one? It was through a friend of a friend, actually. Our friend Charlie is a friend of my friend Yvonne, who I'm in a book club with. A few years ago, we were going to strategize on how to sleep in for Comic-Con's Hall H. <laughs> While I ended up not joining in on that party, um, because I ended up getting hooked into another commitment, I gave Charlie my card because his brother was, I, I believe, in the, in the gaming industry and game design and everything. So I gave my contact info just in case anything came across his way that he thought I'd be a good fit for, that he could recommend me for. From that, we became Facebook friends. It just so happened that Janina, I think back then you were still working at Sharp Hospital. That's correct. You were looking for an artist for a pain management comic that you were writing with a bunch of your colleagues over there. And I threw my name in the hat. I think we chatted briefly on Facebook and decided to meet at Comic-Con at one of the booths. You and were a panda. Pretty, yeah, it was pretty <laughs> funny because you were dressed as Slytherin and I was dressed as a giant panda on one of the <laughs> hottest days of Comic-Con. So I think I caught you before the smell started getting out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, you know, giant pandas are, are pretty much a standard day at Comic-Con. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because... Anybody that's been to, to San Diego Comic-Con knows how loud it gets. And we're basically like yelling at each other for this kind of, you know, casual interview. And I'm sure it was surreal to anybody passing by overhearing this conversation, you know, having a Slytherin interviewing a panda you know, for <laughs> a comic book. They I mean, probably thought that someone messed up and she turned them into a panda. It's true. It's true. Which is just my Tuesday. <laughs> there you go. So uh, we ended up working on the painter management comic book together. Long story short, Janine and I just work really well together as creative partners that when her editor suggested that she pursue Dark Agents as a graphic novel, she's like, yeah, that, that sounds cool. I believe I was like one of four or five artists kind of auditioning for it. Lucky for me, I ended up pointing out over the others. Yeah, well, you know, deservedly like, so, because your <laughs> art is pretty awesome. Vince, oh, thank you so much. seriously, you. you are my favorite artist in the entire world. And for uh, any of our listeners who have not yet gotten a chance to check out Vince's art, I highly, highly recommend it. It's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I very much appreciate that. <laughs> so this question is for both of you. What do you think is the value of combining mental health with pop culture? Oh boy, so much. I think, honestly, before I started studying psychology, everything I learned about mental health was from pop culture. I learned how to manage difficult emotions from popular culture. The X-Men taught me that being different and being an outsider was not a bad thing, that actually being different meant that you were special. And that just because we might be rejected by one group of people doesn't mean that we won't fit into another group of people. 
And I think that most of us are not taught how to understand our emotions, how to understand mental health, how to express our needs. But when we see certain characters in pop culture going through the same experiences as we are, not only do we feel less alone and more connected, we can also learn extremely valuable skills about how to understand what we're going through, how to advocate for our needs, and also how to help other people. I absolutely agree. Because I mean, for the most part, those of us who are big fans of pop culture is a form of escapism. As Janina said, when we find a character in a comic book or a show or a book, it's really reassuring, even if it's in fiction, to know that someone, anyone out there could be going through the same thing that you're going through. And it's cathartic to be able to relate to someone else and know that you're not the only one going through whatever kind of a struggle or hardship you're going through. It's great because a lot of us, you know, especially in this climate, need a mental break from everything. And when you can lose yourself in a character in a book, their sorrow is your sorrow, but at the same time, their triumphs are your triumphs. You know what I mean? So whether or not it's specifically a book that's aimed at mental health or not, books, art, fiction in general, I think is very, very valuable and important to society's mental health as a whole, just to keep us sane and, and to give us kind of a, an avenue to at least have a space where we can go where we know we're safe, that's reliable and we can go to and we can kind of lose ourselves in it, you know? Yeah, most definitely. There's something really special about seeing one of our superheroes or someone up on the screen and being able to relate to them based off of something that they're going through, that you're going through. So Dr. Scarlet, this story is through the point of view of a young witch named Violet, like you were discussing a little earlier. And Violet has a very traumatic background and she suffers from severe PTSD. What was your inspiration for creating such a vulnerable hero? I think that PTSD is really misunderstood. Post-traumatic stress disorder is something that a lot of people assume only happens in active duty service members or veterans. But the truth is PTSD can occur in anybody, both in military population as well as in the civilian population. And I think that people assume for PTSD to occur, somebody has to be exposed to a war or a warlike setting. But the truth is, PTSD can occur whenever someone was exposed to something traumatic that includes abuse, sexual assault, for example, traumatic loss of a loved one, traumatic illness like cancer, sometimes a really unexpected breakup or a job loss can lead to someone developing PTSD. So PTSD is some kind of a traumatic event that has either threatened somebody's physical or emotional well-being. And in people who do develop PTSD after being exposed to this trauma, they might experience a number of symptoms lasting for over a month, sometimes years. These symptoms might include re-experiencing of the traumatic event. So for example, being reminded of the trauma, being easily triggered, having nightmares or, or flashbacks, memories, intrusive memories of the event as well as drastic mood changes, which can range from anger or sadness or very commonly numbness or irritability. 
Sometimes people will become easily startled or might withdraw socially from other people. They might use certain unhealthy or unhelpful coping techniques, usually as a form of avoidance, and will have a difficult time talking about what happened to them. And that's very much what Violet goes through. So in Violet's case, she witnessed both of her parents being murdered by an evil necromancer. She doesn't know why. She herself was targeted too for being a witch, and she was almost burned at the stake. And to this day, Violet is very triggered when she sees fire. Violet is in denial about her condition, as some people with PTSD might be. So when her counselor suggests that she might have it, she, she blows up and she becomes very defensive. And for the longest time, she is refusing to seek treatment, which unfortunately interferes with her training. So in the course of her journey, Violet has to essentially come to a realization that she needs help and that she needs to learn adequate skills to help her cope with her traumatic experience. So Vince, as an artist, what was your inspiration for creating a visual representation of Violet and what is your creative process? So my creative process for a project like this, of course, I read the script from beginning to end before I even started sketching down anything just to get an idea of how the characters interact with each other, where those characters are coming from. And in the specific case of Violet, you know, of course, I got a lot of welcome input from Dr. Scarlett on basic appearance. A lot of her design was informed from her experience, from her PTSD, from her backstory, everything from how she wears her hair to her clothing, you know, like they tried to burn her at the stake, so she tries to cover up her scars with her clothing. Specifically with the hairstyle, I kind of like draped her bangs partially over one eye as kind of like a defense mechanism of her kind of hiding part of herself away from the world and subconsciously keeping from exposing all of herself to the outside world and giving her some kind of perceived vulnerability. So a lot of what I did in her design was try to have her come across as pretty much guarded, you know, and very uh, suspicious of the world and very cautious. In the case of Violet, you know, her story is so strong and super traumatic. I mean, this story starts off with a bang. I mean, there, there's no <laughs> no real ramp up to it. We, we got dropped into the thick of it. And in a way, it, it really reinforces where she's coming from because a lot of times when we experience those events, there's absolutely no warning. It's almost always coming from out of nowhere and, and it blindsides you. And that's kind of how we're dropped into her story you know, kind of blindsided by like, whoa, what's happening? What's going on with this? And it helps us to relate to her as a character immediately and kind of made it really easy for me to nail down her design from the start. Right. I mean, after hearing you say that, what was it like for you to collaborate together in this new universe? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would get together at coffee shops and just kind of like scream in excitement. People probably thought we were weird or something, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> there was just like, at the very least on my part, a lot of clapping of my hands and being very excited because everything Vince does is amazing. I would just say one thing, like a word or a sentence, like maybe they go to a bar that looks like this and Vince would be like, yes, and there should be tentacles because 
there's always tentacles in a bar. And it just made so much sense. And it felt like we're like creative twins or something. And it was just, there was lots of geeking out. And it was so much fun. It really was. And, you know, that, that's not to say there weren't any challenges as with any creative endeavor. But what was great about this project was Janina is very receptive to my input. If I was going in the wrong direction, she was completely frank and was like, you know what? No, I think it's more like this. And to be honest, that rarely happened because, as she just said, we were somehow always on the same wavelength. I'm not sure all creative partnerships start off like that. You know what I mean? It was very serendipitous. We definitely lucked out in finding each other and being able to work together. Yes, I absolutely agree. Well, I just think it's really cool from an outside perspective to envision this story developing and an artist coming along and like putting this like visual interpretation of it out there. Both of you are just as important as the other. It would just bring tears to my eyes anytime that I would see one of the characters coming to life because I'm not an artist. And so I would see it in my head, but I had a hard time explaining it sometimes. So, you know, I would try to use my words, but then to see it actually come to life, it was as if Vince could somehow read my thoughts and like see the image in my mind. And then oh, there it was on paper and it was incredible. It's a weird kind of magic, almost. <laughs> yeah. Magic. <laughs> so the dark agents have a saying. What What is that saying? Embrace the dark and guard the light. I, I just had to have her say that because my brother and I, we got a chance to be a little creative for this project as well. And we wrote a song called Embrace the Dark. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to have a break and show you what we came up with. So here you Sweet. go. It's time to embrace the dark. Get to no fear. Time to not see anything. Wonder if evil is near. Don't dig inside. It might be where scary things hide. Joy. 
hope you all liked that and enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. So let's get back to the book here. Dr. Scarlett, how much research goes into creating your own world out of an established mythological one? Quite a bit. I spent a year just creating this world in terms of rereading about Greek mythology and then also world building in general, looking at how magical schools might be run, the kind of creatures that might exist in the underworld, the way that certain interactions might occur, the way that certain portals might exist between the worlds. I did a lot of research on portals to hell and we actually traveled to some and will continue to travel to some. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of research and also some travel to make sure that there's accuracy of these locations. For example, there is a location in this book, the Abney Park Cemetery in London, and the cemetery is really important to the book. It's one of the training sites that the new recruits have to get to. And so being able to understand how valuable some of these locations are to the underworld and the history of underworld was something that I really wanted to get right. And I would use what I learned to create characters that would come from that Greek mythology history, but then also be modern heroes. For example, my favorite goddess of all time is Hera. No surprise there, given that we have a cat named Hera mm -hmm. and lots of characters in other books named Hera. And the reason why I loved her is because Hera is a goddess of marriage. She's gravely misunderstood. A lot of people think that she is an evil goddess who uses her jealousy to punish other mortals and goddesses. But the truth is, if you read Greek mythology, Hera was Zeus's sister and he wanted to marry her, she refused, and so he tricked her. Hera was very compassionate, and so Zeus in Greek mythology turned into an injured bird, and when Hera saw this injured bird, she felt so much compassion for it. She wanted to heal it, so she picked up the bird and held it to her heart, and then Zeus turned back into himself now that she was holding him, cradling him toward her chest and sexually assaulted her. After he assaulted her, he then said pretty much, well, now we have to get married because apparently that's what you do if you're Zeus. After being sexually assaulted by her brother being forced into marriage, Hera then had to endure her husband brother constantly having infidelities and affairs with mortals and goddesses and so naturally she was extremely angry about it so in dark agents Hera has now left Zeus and is a strong independent powerful woman a career woman and because Hera was the goddess of marriage in dark agents Hera is a marriage and family therapist and so this is just one example of the kind of research and the kind of thought that went into these characters. So for all the characters in the book, especially ones related to Greek mythology, I would do some research as to what the character was like, and I would try to envision what they would be like in the 21st century mm -hmm. and give them this kind of storyline. It is very interesting when you flip these old ancient mythologies on their head like you just did. I mean, ultimately, these are things that are there right out in the open that you don't even really acknowledge you know, like the fact that Zeus is married 
and he is constantly going out and sleeping with whatever he can, you know, and he has all these demigods and whatever, these children with mortals. He's not actually a good dude. No, no. And, and in fact, he punishes Hera whenever she's jealous or when if she attacks him or any of his mistresses. Very interesting stuff. So having a story written by a clinical psychologist, emotions are obviously very important. Vince, you capture a character's emotions very vividly. How do you do it? And I mean, do you sit in front of a mirror when you're sad and try to capture your sadness <laughs> or something? I mean, how do you capture emotions the way you do? First of all, thank you for that compliment. I appreciate that. I have to credit it a lot to when I went to college and studied 2D animation. And when we were doing a rough character animation, and the character was emoting was to look in the mirror and see what our faces did and what kind of gestures came about and try to reflect that. My favorite stuff to draw is like the really intimate personal moments in the story because I get to focus on that kind of emoting. And it's a lot harder to capture that and it's more gratifying challenge than the big punch out fights, which are fun to draw too. But I find myself drawn to those more intimate moments and I think it's because I'm a fan of the indie comics, like like the Vertigo comics, like the Sandman comics and stuff by Neil Gaiman and all that, where it's very character-driven. And in those moments where Dr. Scarlet was writing inter-character dialogue, it's funny, at times, I wouldn't realize that I was making the face that I was drawing until I was done, because then part of my face would start aching from either whether I was smiling hard or I was frowning, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, after a long session of drawing, there'll be times where my face was literally as exhausted as my hand from creating the artwork. I have to say, like, those parts of the book, the magic stuff is, like, super fun, but the most gratifying stuff, I think, is when I got to draw two or three characters having a really cool, personal, intimate moment and I really hope that comes through in my artwork because it definitely does come through Janina's dialogue. You two have developed some wonderful characters. Just out of curiosity, is there one that is your personal favorite? And is there a character that is your favorite to write and draw? Oof. It's so hard to answer because... <laughs> I feel like they're all my babies and I love them all. I would have to say probably Damien is one of my favorites. I've been hearing from a lot of people who seem to be really drawn to him too. So he's definitely up there. I love Hades and Persephone's relationship. Mm. They're just amazing. Karuna is just absolutely magical. But I probably have to say if I had to pick one character who's my absolute favorite it would have to be Hera oh what about you Benny yeah for me of course I have a special place in my heart for Violet because she was the very first character that I designed with Janina and it's her journey that we're following being the father of two daughters it you know kind of hits me in a certain spot in my heart because I want to protect her and I want her to succeed <laughs> as a father would for his daughter. She was just a fun one to design, but if I had to pick a favorite character-wise as one, and I can't wait till Jeannie gets to this individual's arc, is Sunny. I really love Sunny. I, we're already in, in the beginning stages of talking about the next book, 
And in the next book, I believe we're focusing on Persifer. Am I allowed to say this? Yep, you're allowed to say this. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, and I, and I told Janine, I was like, you know, with most artists, this book was a giant undertaking as far as like my first official comic book. And, you know, in drawing over and over, you're bound to get better because it's practice. <laughs> and I, I feel like my style has changed a bit from when I drew this book. I expressed concern with Gina. I was like, are you okay with the characters looking different to kind of fit my current style better? And I kind of like want to shot at not completely redesigning them, but tweaking their looks a little bit. And, you know, Gina was like, of course, because time is progressing in these books, of course, and they're changing. No person, fictional or real, really stays static. They're, they're bound to go through some evolutions. And Sonny was such an interesting character in what he's going through and his visual. Cause he's like the giant teddy bear where if you saw him coming at you, you'd be like, oh, good Lord, what's going to happen to me? And then he smiles and opens his mouth and you're like, oh my gosh, you're, you're a sweet guy. <laughs> you know, I kind of like that. I equated to the Beast and Beauty and the Beast and maybe Eduardo and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. They can come across super intimidating, but the minute you get to know them, they're just big softies. Yeah. Specifically, his struggle with, with his inner demons is what I'm really, really interested in, in seeing and exploring. Most definitely. I think Sonny is a very intriguing character. I always love a good redemption arc either way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it as well. But you guys were mentioning other books. How many is there planned in this series? The plan is for eight books. So Underworld Intelligence Agency takes eight recruits every year to their academy to train them to become dark agents. During the first year, the recruits are called New Bloods. And then their second year in training, they start going out in the field and they're called probies or probationary agents. And then in the third year, if they pass all the exams and all the field tests, they become dark agents. And because there are eight recruits, there will be eight books. And so each book will actually be written from a point of view of a different character, one of the eight. So Violet's book is first and Persifer's book is second. And so in every book, we continue the story of what's going on in this world and what's going on with these recruits and what's going on between the gods and some terrible things are going to start happening pretty soon. And so the story continues, but my goal here was to show the story from each of the characters' perspectives to show the readers what each of the characters deals with. Each of the characters has a different mental health difficulty that they're going through. So we learn about Violet's PTSD. In the second book, we learn about Persifer's struggles with anxiety, including OCD and social anxiety. My goal here is that as we're going through the books, because we've seen the world through one character's point of view, when we're going through another character's point of view, we as the reader will hopefully then be able to empathize with another character that we've already read about. So for example, even though the second book will be from Persifer's point of view, when we're seeing Violet, we don't need to be in her head to understand what kind of triggers she has and what she might be going through when she sees reminders of her trauma. There's just so many great characters in here, and I want to go back to it right now. Just thinking about Sunny again, 
you know, thinking about Vince having to draw him, you know, this big Wendigo, even draw a smile. And then I have this thought where it's like, when Janina develops a character with a description like, insert Desdemona, the emotional support chupacabra here. (laughs) What goes into that character visual development? I mean... (laughs) That was one of those magical ones where the inspiration struck almost before she finished her sentence. Because <laughs> I think I think my pitch for the minute Janina started describing this emotional support thing, I don't know what she wanted. Emotional support animal who just happens to be a chupacabra because animal, yeah. that's what you uh, have in the underworld. Yeah, and the first thing that sprang to my mind was hideously adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so it had to be ugly cute. And then, you know, I was, I was speaking to my wife, Sabrina. I was like, yeah. She wants this support animal, and I'm thinking, like, hideously ugly. And I was like, and the first thing that came to mind to start as a base was a pug. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, of course, my wife is a dog lover. She's like, pugs are not ugly. And I was like, they are, but that's not a bad thing. (laughs) To me, they they are. They have this this funky wall-eyed look, and they breathe funky, you know. (laughs) And so that was, like, my inspiration for Desdemona. I kind of wanted to give her the demeanor of, for for lack of a better term, body positivity. Like, she's like, yeah, I'm cute, and I know it. This is who I am, you know? Yeah. This chupacabra flaunts her cute. (laughs) Yeah, and and especially Hades, like, you know, fawns all over all the time. It's a face only Hades could love. And everybody else. Oh, give me a break. Everybody's going to want her. one. Everybody's going to want one. Like It's so (laughs) cute. It's so cute. I really do want my own emotional support I really, love how, I really love the the whole jealousy slash rivalry between Desdemona and Persephone for Hades affections basically yeah <laughs> he snuggles his emotional support chupacabra more than he snuggles his wife it's <laughs> <laughs> not fair that little interaction was one of my favorite things to draw I was having so much fun and and laughing my way through that <laughs> Well, I just have one more question for you guys before we end this episode. Is there a specific message you want the readers of this book to get out of it? The most important thing I wanted the readers to get out is that everyone goes through something and you're not alone. It's okay to struggle. And it's also really important to learn about what we're going through. Sometimes it means really thinking about our experiences, allowing ourselves to feel our emotions. Sometimes it might be helpful to see a counselor. And not only is it not a weakness, but it's actually a great strength to do so because in learning about our experiences, we can become even stronger than we already are. And this can help us to face any kind of monster that might come our way. Yeah, I I would absolutely agree. The great thing about this book, from the standpoint of being a fan of Janina as a writer, is that, you know, yes, it is a therapy tool, but just as important as that is, it is equally a really great story. And I say this over and over again, you know, people that read this, whether they realize that it's it's a book aimed at self-help and therapy and to be a tool to address, you know, mental health, they're going to get lost in the story. And what's great about this is in any story, we learn something from how our favorite characters deal with their demons and their trials and tribulations. But what's great about this is, of course, that these are actual tools 
that Janina's giving you to help you through PTSD or whatever you're going through. But when you get lost in the story, you're kind of forgetting that that kind of information is being presented to you. So like I like to say is that you're kind of learning something against your will because it's so organic and it's written in such a non-clinical way. I'm sure there are other books that have attempted this and, and I've read one or two where you're going through this great story and then all of a sudden it's kind of a jarring transition from that to like, okay, these are the techniques that you want to use. But in this case, to Janina's credit, her writing is so strong that you don't realize when you're going into the quote-unquote therapy part of the story. It just fits into the story organically. So you're taking it in and you're learning it. And to me, I think it'll be more memorable because you're associating it with the fun ride that you're on in the story. I hope people enjoy the book and the story, and I hope it can help them through whatever they're going through. I think this is a fine time to end this episode of Superhero Therapy. I want to thank you so much for being on our show today, Vince. Would you like to let our audience know where they can reach you on social media or see some of your work? First of all, thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. My website is bidcento.com, and it's spelled B as in Bravo, E-E-N as in November, S E. N as in November, T as in toe, OE.com. All my social media is at Vincento. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram with that handle. Well, thank you again so much for being on our show. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. So again, Dark Agents is available March 1st and can be pre-ordered on Amazon. And better yet, you can support your local independent bookstores by pre-ordering it through them directly. We still have a few advanced reader copies of Dark Agents left available. If you're interested in getting yourself a copy, you can contact us through social media or rate and review our podcast through your streaming service. Also, we will be giving one of our lucky patrons a chance to win a copy as well. To qualify for this one, go to www.patreon.com, make an account, and select a tier of $3 or more to support Superhero Therapy and Harry Potter Therapy Podcast. 10% of our proceeds go to mental health charity organizations, and your support also goes a long way in helping us destigmatize mental health disorders. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day, and remember that you are a superhero.